time. It's time to get back to the Matt Wyatt Show. Live in the studio. All right, here we go. Hour number two, off and running. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team. Staying connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. Y'all shoot me a text on the Country Pleasing text line. That's Country Pleasing Sausage. It's the best. Have you ever had any of the Junior's sausage? Yeah, look it up. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. You probably, if you've ever bought some or looked at it there in Kroger or Walmart, the Country Pleasing brand is called Junior's. It's uh, a little bit smaller in its form, and it's perfect for, like, cooking it and putting it on a hot dog bun. Trust me. And But, you know, you can eat it for breakfast like I did this morning. Anyway, shoot me a text in the country, please, and text line the number. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. It's 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Call me on the Divinity phone. Uh, first up, before we go to our guest, JSU1 on line one, been hanging on patiently throughout the break. What's up, JSU1? Thanks for calling. Doing pretty good today. How about yourself? Doing just right. Thank uh, you. You heard anything on Jackson State recruiting today? Not today. Um, I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm in Starkville. I'm kind of in their uh, recruiting lounge here, just kind of waiting to do some interviews. I've looked a little bit at Twitter, just kind of scrolling through, but I've been following some other stuff, including the Major League Baseball thing. And I'm sure that they've signed some players. And it might be one of those things, JSU one, where maybe tomorrow we can sit back, have a list of who everybody has signed. Uh, today and then maybe go over it then. Okay, then that's what I'll be looking for there. Okay, thank you. Appreciate right. your call. Yeah, appreciate the phone call, JSU one. Who, um, again, we we've decided we want to go to his barbecue because he 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 tailgates in his backyard and he cooks for all of them. And JSU one, we're still waiting for our invitation. I'm just kidding. All right, here we go. Let's continue uh, the conversation on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment Madison, and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer right now with us on the phone Mason Miller he is the offensive line coach here at Mississippi State has been since he came here with Mike Leach and this recently added the title of run game coordinator on your radio right now coach Miller uh, welcome to the show happy signing day to you Happy signing day to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, and I know you're actually you got your feet planted on uh, Alabama soil right now huh? down in Mobile I did. It came down to Mobile. Uh, you know, obviously was asked to come down here to speak a little bit on Charles Cross's behalf. And then mm-hmm. uh, Abe Lucas, who is uh, down here playing in the Senior Bowl, uh, coached him for two and a half years at Washington State. So uh, came down to support him as well. Uh, relationships never die, you know. Yeah. And then we got a couple kids that I recruited at Nevada, <laughs> ironically, that are playing in this thing. So, uh, you know, like I said, G5 guys getting the to show uh, that they're standard on the uh, big stage. It's interesting because that Senior Bowl thing, you know, it's been around. It's really kind of grown over the years. And, you know, you're there and mixing and mingling with some of those NFL coaches on those staffs and, of course, those players and stuff. Coach, what is – for the general fan or those of us in the media who might, you know, need a clue on that, what what is the impact of that Senior Bowl week, the practices – in particular for those prospects, how, how big a deal is it for them? 
it's a pretty big deal. A lot of it has to do with, you know, what they're teaching, how quickly can they retain information mm-hmm. and then process it, put it on the field. Um, and then the interviews. I think the interviews are kind of the big deal. Uh, just, you know, it's like speed dating down here. I mean, those guys yeah. are flying from one room to the next. want to talk to this scout and that scout. Um, you know, really, part of it is, you know, Abe and I had such a good relationship. And, again, talking about Charles, those two guys coming out. So, uh, you kind of, it's helpful to those kids sometimes to see a face that they recognize and, and let life slow down for them a little bit. Sure. Mason Miller, offensive line coach, Mississippi State. Uh, on your radio. Uh, Coach, we had Coach Steve Spurrier in here um, a bit ago. Of course, he added the title of passing game coordinator, and you, we got word this week, added the title of run game coordinator. So I'll ask you the same question. Kind of how does that affect, you know, your role and what you've been doing here on the staff? Not a not a significant amount. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure Steve being a little bit more responsible for making sure everything's in order for Coach Leach and, and myself and, and the front guys and the running backs all being on the same page. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting Coach Wash over to, to speak with us is, or coach with us is, uh, you know, really going to help us and, uh, you know, all of us just being on the same page. Gotcha. All right, so you mentioned Charles Cross, who is, you know, coming out as an early entrant in the draft and has really high grades, projected to go very high in the, in the first round and, and some really high, you know, depending on who you read and who you ask. What uh, is sort of your, having coached him, your evaluation of him going into this draft class and kind of where he stacks up according to some of these other guys? Uh, I know I'm a little biased. Uh, Right. right. uh, I uh, I think he and the Neil kid from Alabama are the top two tackles in the draft. Um I think Charles' best football is in front of him. Mm. Um, he is, uh, and I, what I've told some of these guys down here is that uh, I equate, you know, kind of how do I stack him against the guys that we have coached at Washington State and here that are in the league? Mm. Um, and I think he's, he's the best one. And I, I tell people all the time as a person, if there were 10,000 more Charles Crosses in the world, it'd be a better place. So I think, I think the combine will be good for him. I think he's going to show his athletic ability, and it's really going to blow people out of the water. Uh, the things that he can do that kind of look effortless uh, in every every pass set, every run block, everything he does, it's going to look effortless, and that's going to show him what we already knew. I mean, he's a special player, special kid, great human being. You know, recently, um, Mason, uh, I was watching some – plays uh, some I guess you call it film you know going back and watching some plays TV copies some things that Charles did this past year and it's like if you know if you pull up 20 plays a lot of it just kind of gets monotonous because they're all the same it's like okay he, he he you know he kicks he slides he shuffles he rides the guy around the arc the play's over the guy never gets close to the quarterback okay let's go to the next play you know is that yeah. sort of <laughs> That's kind of what you want, right? Like you, you want it to be. We don't want to. Have, we kind of want it to be consistent enough where it's the same thing over and over again, and it kind of takes the interest away on that side of the pass rush. Yeah, I think uh, Charles's ability to uh, stay consistent. You know, he's not up and down. He's not all over the place. He's just the same person every play. Uh, that's, in my opinion, what really going to set him aside especially when they do those speed dating interviews mm-hmm. you know um and you know 
you watch so much film, and I know you do, and you come to practice and you see all this stuff. It, it, he's the same guy every day. Yeah. You know, he is the same exact person every day. Uh, and I, again, for a, I mean, he only turned 21 the, uh, in, in Thanksgiving, uh, November, last wow. Thanksgiving week. Wow. Yeah, he's he was 20 years old this year. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and when you see it, you, sometimes you look at him and you think, you want to say something to him, you're like, man, he's he's still a puppy. Like he's mm. he's he's a grown puppy, but he's a he's he's going to be special. And I look forward to watching his career. Yeah, and he's so athletic too. You mentioned that he's going to wow some people at the combine. You know, he's it's like uh, shuffling without crossing over at, at times right. on some of this film. It's so effortless for him. Where most guys. The you know some of these rush ins you know I, I tell you what I'll give you a specific and you may remember this there was a play against Auburn where the the end lined up wide and he timed the snap perfectly where he's almost like uh, in the neutral zone before the quarterback even gets the ball that's how early this guy yep. timed it and Charles didn't panic and he just gets in that little shuffle and has such confidence in his feet. He just rode him right on around the quarterback. Most guys don't even get a hand on that guy. No, and, and I'll tell you, my the, the play that, in my mind, stuck out when I was like, all right, he, you know, everybody talked about it, and yeah. you know, you're coaching him every day, so you're just trying to get the kid, you know, you know you're trying to do the things we're doing at practice and what we're, we're trying to accomplish as a team. But we're playing Kentucky, and and we run the ball to the right, and he cut off the three technique and sat down and basically – was behind the guy and people don't know what that means the charles the guy had two feet to charles's right and charles crossed the guy's face put his butt on the guy's hit and sat him down mm-hmm. and, and you know we ended up getting a big gain and i i uh literally said on the headset i said that kid just made a lot of money mm-hmm. you know to do that is it, it, pretty special yeah we're talking with Mason Miller. He's the offensive uh, line coach, run game coordinator here at Mississippi State. You may hear he's actually at Senior Bowl practices uh, right now, uh, which is going on. We're going to get to see you know some of that coverage and, of course, the Senior Bowl game coming up. Hey, so you know Charles Cross going to the NFL it leaves a gap uh, in the depth chart over there. So how did you feel about the way that Nick Jones uh, performed stepping in there at left tackle in that bowl game, Coach? I thought he did well. I mean, there was a lot of bombs going off, um, yeah. you know, and in that game they were doing a lot of movement and stuff, and I thought he handled it well. Uh, I think Nick will be a, a starter for us if he continues to develop in the weight room and, and off the field and, and studying the opponents. Uh, I'm excited about him and uh, looking forward to, like I said, his progress. How do you, um, how do you summarize the importance of, of getting the Quinston Sharp back for another year at center, <laughs> I, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, yeah. he is a leader. He is a great young man. He, you know, in 2020, he, you know, he, he played a lot in 19 before we got here, and then in 20, he didn't play as much. And I mean, most kids will go in the tank or, you know, portal it up or whatever. I don't know, but yeah. uh, he didn't. He fought through the adversity and. uh I was really proud of him, and, and it started off slow for us up front this year. And then, the, he, you know, he was the commanding alpha in that deal and wanted to make them better and better and better. And uh, there's been a lot of games where, you know, we would come over to the sidelines and, and talk, and, and Q will pick it up in two seconds and say, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and to have that maturity in a kid, as, and you know, as, as a center, yeah. I mean, that's your guy. Right. You know, and 
and he and Will are, are, are becoming tight, and uh, I think that's good for the chemistry of our football team. No question about it. And, and you know, here's something that probably gets overlooked and until disaster strikes, you know, on any football team. How do you, as an offensive line coach, balance – the 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 reps and the practice time in getting a backup center ready, you know, in case somebody's got to go play or you know Q's got to move to guard, you know, like how do you because it is so important that quarterback and center have that snap and they have that continuity and all that. How do you get a backup ready? Uh, I try to leave Q in there as long as Will's in there, and then we do some pre-practice stuff that will allow a backup to work with him. Um, yeah. But most of the time, you don't really want to screw up the rhythm between, like you said, the quarterback and the center and, and the cadence and all that stuff. And uh, You know, it, you know, the bowl, bowl week for us was, you know, with, you know, some of the mishaps, the, uh, you, my uh, ability to shuffle people around was tested to, to a different level. But sure. uh, the biggest thing is always having Q uh, be able to be in there and be in charge. I mean, he's, I mean, he's the alpha. I mean, he's the guy. Mm-hmm. Mason Miller on your radio right now. He's the offensive line coach, run game coordinator, Mississippi State. Uh, coach, today, signing day sort of 2.0 because we have the early signing day. And you've seen it now on both sides. Before you had the early, it used to all be on the first Wednesday in February. Of course, now it's split up, and most of it happens early. Um how drastic of a change is that? Um, is, is it not that much different in that it just moved the calendar up, or does it really change the recruiting game for you as a coach? Uh, it changes it, in my opinion, uh, significantly. I mean, you're trying to get as many guys as you can in to, to sign on that first signing day, and uh, you know, then then you kind of sit back and be like, all right, well, where where are our deficiencies? How you know where are we going to meet our needs? Are we going to go into the portal, or are we going to? Uh, you know, we're going to try to find another underclassman. Um, you know, I think, I think it does. And I also think uh, the biggest thing is it speeds up the calendar for us as far as you go through a season and then you got bowl prep and then bam, signing day. And then, yeah. and then you come down with a bowl game and then you kind of wander through this month of January. But I think it helps a little bit in your evaluation for the next signing class. If you go ahead and get out in front and sign, all right, these kids, now you start looking down the road for your 23s, 24 kids. What about, too, the, the, the dynamic of how coaches in certain programs decide, you know, did they want to they wanna lock kids up early versus they would some programs and coaches would wait and, and, and try to go recruit other commitments late in the recruiting process? I would think – that sort of changed that decision making too and like what the philosophy is to begin with it does i mean you know the grass is always greener i'm sure people up people like it you know this yeah. that and the other yeah I, you like a kid you take the kid i mean mm-hmm. you, you got to trust your own eyes and i know that's said around our building a lot and we're going to take the kids that we think that it's going to best fit mississippi state and uh and just fit coach leach's uh vision and, and what we're trying to accomplish there and build a program um you know I, poaching this late whatever then the kid starts wondering was i was i a number or was i a value and mm-hmm. i think it's more important to be a value to a program than a number 
Um, last thing for you, Coach. I know you, you got a lot going on. Um, we were talking to Coach Hollingshead a little bit ago, and uh, the term midnight maneuvers was brought up. We got to reminiscing about how, you know, this is the time of year for players that, you know, sort of is unsung in the importance of their development, getting ready for the fall, these off-season workouts and running at 5.30 a.m. and all this stuff they go through. Um, what's the best way to describe N number one, what midnight maneuvers is, and number two, how important it is. Uh, the best way to describe mis midnight maneuvers is, is uh, constant chaos. <laughs> uh, it's going to test your uh, going to test your mental capacity, your physical capacity. Are you willing to surrender uh, when when we're down? Mm. You know, twenty five points in uh, in uh, in Auburn, Alabama. Or are you going to uh, have the intestinal fortitude to keep fighting? Yeah. Um, so I think that's one. I think two, it starts, you know, a lot of these kids, the Gabe Cavazos, the Cannon Boons, the, the, the Albert Reese's of the world, especially in my room. Okay, well, now it's your turn. All right, let me show me what you got. How do you prove to me that I should give you reps during spring practice? Mm -hmm. And the football aspect of it, the shoulder pads, the helmet, all that, that's fine. But, you know, what we really want to see is what your fight is. Are you going to surrender? Are you going to quit? Are you going to have a competitive edge to you that, that we want here at Mississippi State? Yeah. Well, and, you know, again, I think it's a time of year that, you know, a lot of fans don't really get to see and, and understand the importance, but also to get to see what they're going through. And I, I know this it's mm -hmm. a tough time of year for players, but I know that it's very, very important as well. Coach, hey, enjoy your time in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. Tell them all that uh, if they know what they're doing, they're going to take Charles Cross early in that first round. And I appreciate you joining me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for getting me out of the rain. It's uh, it's storming down here. Yeah, and, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. I appreciate you coming out to practice and being involved. And you know, you and I have shared some stories back in our day when you were uh, playing. So yeah, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, same here, Mason. And and I shared some stories today too about my signing day back in 1995. And I can tell you this, <laughs> there were no recruiting lounges and there were no live animals. Okay, I, I can tell you no. that. <laughs> It was no, I, I literally, honest to goodness, I'm actually in the place that I was when I signed. I, we had to come down to my mother's from Mobile, so we we had to get in the car, and I signed the piece of paper and got in the car and drove. Like, that was it. That was the end of the discussion. <laughs> the I, end. I mailed it back. <laughs> yeah, the end. A fax machine, I guess, we used back then. Yeah. But, yeah. Ancient technology. So, crazy deal. Fax machine, yeah. ancient technology. All right, Mason, appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. All right, boss. Take care. All right. See you. That's Mason Miller, offensive line coach, run game coordinator. Dad, gummit. I smooth forgot to ask him if he was wearing his cowboy hat at the senior bowl. And I sat right here and said I was going to ask him that. That's how I do. That's how I, I, I need, need post-it notes handy all the time to leave myself notes. That's where I've gotten to in my life. On that note... There's a little bit of a segue for you. Uh, we've just gotten word that Jackson Prep has a new football coach. I don't know that it has been made official by the school yet, but it's uh, maybe it's unofficially official, and it's being reported out there by others. Um, and it's on Twitter. I talked with someone about this last night. Looks like it's happening. But um, Jackson Prep, is hiring Doug Goodwin as its next head football coach. 
And if you're unfamiliar with that name, I'll tell you, he has most recently been an analyst on the Ole Miss coaching staff. But he has spent most of his coaching career in the state of Alabama coaching high school football in Alabama. So to summarize, and then I'll give you the details, Doug Goodwin, he's going to be the new head football coach at Jackson Prep, who coached for 29 years in high school football in the state of Alabama. Then he went and was on Gus Malzahn's staff at Auburn for a period of time. I don't know exactly how many years that was, but he was on the staff uh, at Auburn uh, under Gus Malzahn for a while as director of high school relations there, and he was an NFL uh, liaison for the staff at Auburn, and then has recently been an analyst on the Ole Miss staff under Lane Kiffin. 29 years coaching high school football in Alabama. Teams that he coached in Alabama made 22 playoff appearances. They had 20 consecutive playoff appearances uh, in his time. He went five different times. He took a team to the state title game. Um, he coached at Homewood. Uh, he's coached at Russellville, which is a, uh, a football place where I grew up as a kid, and coached at Demopolis. Lineville, he's been uh, around there, Marion County, and has had a lot of success everywhere that he's been. He is an Auburn graduate from back in 1984, but Doug Goodwin, the new head football coach at Jackson Prep, so get familiar with that name. I'm Matt. Plenty of time left with you here today on this hump day edition of the show, live from Starkville in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Back with you. I didn't have my mic turned on, Bill. That's my fault. Back with you. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team, I picked up the studio, moved it with me about an hour and a half down the road here to Starkville on the campus of Mississippi State inside Davis Wade Stadium in the recruiting lounge. Up on the ceiling right over the top of me, there's this welcome to fabulous Stark Vegas sign, you know, with the lights on it and all. It's really neat looking. Uh, you want to see what that looks like, what I'm describing. Check out my my Instagram stories because there's one of those on there. You can kind of see what that ceiling looks like. It's a really neat looking deal. Anyway, check that out. Hey, Bill. Hey, Matt. How's Wednesday treating you? Uh, pretty good so far. Humping day. Yep, hump day. You're over the hump. We're almost over the hump, getting into the back half of the week. Of course, it just hit me we're not going to have football to watch this weekend. we got to wait another week. <laughs> yep. Because there's only one game left. Doggone. I, you know, baseball can't get here quick enough. Of course, I look forward to the SEC tournament. No, um, see if – I was going to go into the Wayback Machine with you here just for a minute here and see if any of this rung a bell. Okay, see if you recognize any of this. I'll start with music, and then I'll go to TV. All right. 1974. On this day, 1974, an American bandstand, the DeFranco family performed Abracadabra. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that's like, I'm going to reach out and grab you? <laughs> Abracadabra. Isn't that the lyric? I, 
It may. It's been a long time since I've heard that song, but yeah, I could could have that in there. Yeah. Okay. In the 80s and all. The DeFranco family. The DeFranco family. Yeah. Tony DeFranco and all of them. Yeah. So it's you. A big family like the Jacksons, you know. They were a big thing back then. Oh, really? Yeah. They had like five or six members in their family. They, they all sang. Okay. Like stair steps, you know. Okay. I can't say that I'm, I've ever really been familiar with the DeFranco family. Um, you know, you hear that and you think, okay, what are we talking about here? Are they gangsters? Like, what is this? The DeFranco family. But a song called Abracadabra by the DeFranco family on American Bandstand on this day back in 1974. Actually, to reach out and grab, grab you, you're thinking of Steve Miller. He's yeah, that's guy. it. Yeah. So I'm thinking of a different Abra- Abracadabra. Steve Miller. That's it. Steve Miller. Okay. So there's that one. All right. Uh, I didn't see any others on the music side that that looked really all that interesting to me. <laughs> the DeFranco family did a song called Heartbeat is a Love Beat. Okay. Yeah. I, I know that one. I sure do. I just happen to have it here. It's, it's coming up right now. Uh, on, <laughs> hey. Oh, you're pulling it up? Yeah, I got it right here if you want to. All right, so a little bit of it. So which one, the Abracadabra? No, this is the Heartbeat is a Love Beat by the DeFranco family. All right, Heartbeat is a Love Beat, the DeFranco family. Let's hear it. <laughs> Golly. This was their only hit, by the it way. It sounds like the intro to like the A-Team or something. That little tiny voice. Uh-huh. That's a boy singing that. It's kind of like their version of Michael. Yeah. Well, I'll be. Who knew it existed? Except they were the Italian Jacksons. <laughs> hey, Mongu, you know, you mess with us, we take you out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, that's great. What you say? They're like, the, they're like the Guido Jacksons. Is that what you say? <laughs> Guido Jacksons. No, like the Italian Jacksons. I didn't say Guido. I wouldn't say Guido. The, the Italian Jacksons, the DeFranco family. They'll take fam. you out if you don't like their record. <laughs> you better buy their record. Yeah, yeah they'll uh, somewhere in New Jersey. I'll throw this in there. Today's uh, Wayback Machine quote of the day is from John Lennon, and the quote is, if everyone demanded peace instead of another television set, then there'd be peace. How about that? Uh, that's just that's him. That's uh, John Lennon. That's his. Yeah. Qu- okay, so here are a couple of the. You did hear that uh, his wife. You know who his wife is, right? Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. She's uh, threatening to put her music on Spotify if they don't get rid of. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that a couple of days ago. Somebody texted that to me. Yeah. And you know you know what's funny about it is to some people that's a much greater threat than some of these actual oh threats that are being made, you know? She's so bad. <laughs> it's really that bad. Fingernails on a chalkboard. Okay, Wayback Machine television on this day. I'll give you a few of these and see if they uh, ring a bell. All right, on this day in 1946, the Mutual Broadcasting System aired 20 questions for the first time on radio and moved to television three years later. On this day in 1950... A show called What's My Line debuted on CBS. I've heard about that show, but I don't know if I've ever seen the show. Now, here we go. This is sort of a crossover. Uh, it's the TV show, The Perry Como Show. I, I, I don't know that I knew that he had a TV show. But on this day in 1957, Fats Domino sang Blueberry Hill and Blue Monday. Now, you talk about a song. Mm-hmm. Blueberry you know, Hill. Yesterday when I played uh, the Blue Suede Shoes. Yeah. 
That was from the Perry Como show. That okay. Was from that, the Perry Como show. The Perry Como show. See, anyone that's like me, that's like a child of the eighties, nineties, we only know Perry Como for Christmas music. Yeah. You know, that's all we know. But he was much more than that. Okay, and then I was going to give you this one. On this day in 1995, the 100th episode of Seinfeld aired. And I looked it up. And as it turns out, the 100th episode of Seinfeld was basically like a mashup of all of their previous episodes. Or not all, but a bunch of them. It said for the series Seinfeld's 100th episode, Jerry Seinfeld hosted a one-hour retrospective with clips from previous episodes. The idea for a show about nothing, it included the smelly car, the puffy shirt, the astronaut pin, Jerry's hair, George's lack of hair, Malva, <laughs> the, the Keith Hernandez incident, the outing, the masters of their domain, the bubble boy, all of that stuff uh, was in the 100th episode of Seinfeld. So basically, I don't know... You kind of, I hate to say it, but it's like you're having your 100th episode. You're a show like Seinfeld. It's almost like they went lazy. And instead of coming up with a new show, they just did a one-hour retrospective of all their, their best episodes up to that point. Maybe it is apropos for Seinfeld. Hey, it's a big deal. It's our 100th show. What should we do? I tell you what, let's don't do a show <laughs> for our one. Go. That sounds like something they would do. Yeah. Let's just, we've done all these shows. Why should we do another one? And so they just did clips of their old stuff. So anyway, there's your look back. Of all of those things that were on today's Wayback Machine, I think the thing that, that probably the light bulb went on the, the, the brightest was for Blueberry Hill Fats Domino. And oh, um, I didn't realize it was that old. If you'd asked me, I would have told you it was a 60s deal, but he was performing it in the mid to late 50s. I didn't realize it was that old. So there you go. Well, look, man, I'll tell you this, Bill. Hats off to you because you immediately could tell me all about the DeFranco family, and I had never heard of them. <laughs> I had never even heard of them. Yeah, yeah, they used to be on American Bandstand a lot. You know? Yeah. The other yeah, ones. Yeah, I had, to, I had to play at least one of their records, the one I played for you. I had to play that one. You, you had to? See, I didn't you, want to play it, but I played it. You said it was a, a big hit. and It and was again, a pretty big hit for them, yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. You know, it just goes to show yeah, you, like, you can get really the, old the like I am. and them and the Osmonds were all kind of there together. At the okay, same time. about the same time. I was going to say, it's about, it just goes to show you, you can get really old like I am and still learn new stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's things I don't know, including today I'm introduced to the DeFranco family. Yeah, yeah they're all a bunch of old guys now. <laughs> and girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Look, Denzel, I got to go back over here to the country, please, and text line. Country Please and Sausage, grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. I get mine at Walmart. I also get it from Country Meat Packers, Highway 49, Florence. Denzel, White Denzel, texts the show. He said, Matt, we do have football this weekend. We have the Pro Bowl and the Senior Bowl. Well, let me tell you something. The Senior Bowl is football, especially the practices. Practices are awesome, and the NFL Network covers it and shows you drills, and I can watch one-on-one, -on -one, pass rush, and all these reps. Watching practice, great. Uh, the game, okay, it's good, fine. And it's real football. I'll take it. But that Pro Bowl deal, how dare you, Denzel? How dare you text me and tell me that we have football this weekend and include the Pro Bowl? It's not football. Have you ever watched the Pro Bowl? Seriously. You ever watched the game? It's pretty bad. It's awful. It's a joke. Now, I get it. Look, it's full contact sport, and these guys are millionaires, and they don't want to go out here and get a – 
you know, a rolled ankle or, or worse, a torn ligament playing in the Pro Bowl, I get it. But then if that's the deal, why do it at all? Why do, I, why do it at all? They shouldn't have a game at all. It's pitiful. It's the second worst football you'll see on TV all year long. The first is a Hall of Fame game because they throw two teams out there for, the, for TV because we're all ready to watch football by the early August. And they've only had about eight practices, and none of them know what to do. Plus, the starters aren't going to play in a Hall of Fame game. It's the number one worst game you'll see all year, although I'll watch it every time. I refuse to watch the Pro Bowl. It's awful. The fact that they do it is a joke. You know, just have the competitions. Go back to the old quarterback competition. Give me that. Pro Bowl festivities. Have the distance throw. Remember when Vinny Testaverde used to win the distance throw every year? He was about the fourth best quarterback in the league there a few years, but he'd step out there and throw it 87, 88 yards in the air, and we'd all ooh and ah. That was fun to watch. Remember when we'd always have, like, they would race in the 40, and it was always Willie Galt versus Daryl Green, and they'd have the fastest man stuff and all these. Give me those competitions, but take the game away because it's a waste of time. I'm sort of kidding with you, Denzel. Appreciate the text. You did pick up my spirits, though, and watch uh, the Senior Bowl. We were watching some basketball, and I was watching some last night when State ran South Carolina out of the gym, early and late. And we'll talk about that next with my man Neil Price, voice of the Bulldogs. He's on your radio, live from Starkville. Next, stick around. Any idea what time it is? It's time oh, to get back yeah. to the Matt Wyatt Show. Talking more great sports for you, Mississippi. Online transmission is ready, sir. All right, back with you. A little bit of time left. Uh, somebody, unnamed texter on the country pleasing text line, sends one that says the DeFranco's also sang Sweet, Sweet Loretta. Don't uh, know that one. You don't know that one, Bill? No, sir. Okay. I wonder if they were singing about Loretta Lynn. That would, you know, hey, look, it makes sense, you know. She was real sweet. Loretta Lynn was sweet, sweet Loretta. Still maybe, is. Maybe so. You hear that voice? Who that, that? Who that? That's Neil Price. He's the voice of the Bulldogs. He was on the radio, this very radio station last night, calling that basketball game between Mississippi State and South Carolina and State. I said earlier the words, Neil, that State ran South Carolina out of the gym. Apparently, I didn't watch enough of it. In the first that- twenty minutes, they absolutely did. Uh, yeah, they 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 played they played twenty minutes in the first half that might have been as good a twenty minute stretch as they've played at both ends of the floor all year. And then came out and and you know Coach Williams made this point during the game the other night. It's human nature when you have a big lead to kind of take a breath and relax a little bit. Uh-huh. And I think there was some of that in the second half and. Then they kind of picked it up again for a stretch and then, you know, struggled last six minutes to find a basket. But by that point, you've done enough work that you're able to get to the finish line. you still got a double-digit lead at home, uh, a double-digit win. And the main thing is a win because they needed one coming off of a really tough week uh, with two top 15 games on the road at Kentucky and, and at Texas Tech. So now the challenge is can you go to Arkansas and get that elusive first road win? And, boy, it's a quad one opportunity it looked really good on a resume and it's the it's really the only thing that's missing 
for State. I mean, they, they've played well. They, they've defended their home floor, but they're going to have to find a way to win some road games down the stretch here to, to really impress this committee if they're going to make a run at the NCAA tournament. Boy, and I, you know, speaking of road games, you, you've really put some miles in over the last uh, 10 to – Ten days to two weeks, yeah. haven't you? Yeah, we've been to Lexington and we've been to Lubbock, Texas. Uh, and not long before that, you went down to Gainesville. So Gainesville, you know. yeah. Uh, you know, we've been to Texas twice already, and we'll go one more time before the year's over with to play A and M because remember they played in Fort Worth against Colorado State mm-hmm. back in December. Oh yeah, and yeah. So I mean, we've we've made some trips out there, and uh, you know, there are going to be a lot of road trips too in February. You know, it seemed like the schedule was front loaded in terms of the home games for for the conference piece of it back in January because you you got Arkansas on the road this Saturday. We're at LSU next Saturday, week from Wednesday. They're over at Alabama, which not a long trip, but still a really tough place to play. There's a trip to Mizzou coming up in a few weeks. Um, feel like there's another there well, I guess uh, A&M yeah A&M and I may be leaving one more out South Carolina South Carolina is the other one that's it got to yeah. go back to that yeah so I mean it's the the way they're going to have to do it I mean they're going to be opportunities to get that road win now there are plenty <laughs> of them in February because the schedule just lays out that way well and you said it, it's an opportunity game yeah is what it is um you you know state started the SEC schedule beating Arkansas in Humphrey Coliseum and did it convincingly at the yeah. beginning of January. Or was that end of December, I December guess? December 29th. Yeah, yeah, right at the end of December. And so that's what's next. So, Neil, um, coming off this, that's it. Yesterday I was looking at it going, you look at what they're coming off of, overtime Kentucky loss, go to Texas Tech, they just whip you. Now South Carolina at home, just before 22nd-ranked Tennessee comes to the hump, go to LSU, who I don't know about them, Go to Alabama, who they are an entirely different team in Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. And and then Missouri back-to-back. And, frankly, they – night tonight, you don't know what you're going to get from Missouri, do you? Well, the thing I think that's tough about them, you know, Mizzou and South Carolina, to me, are similar in some respects because Frank Martin, who's the coach at South Carolina, plays a really physical, grinded-out kind of game uh they they lean on you a lot they really test you with the way they play defensively uh physically and mentally and I think Conzo Martin's very similar in that way big 10 guy played at Purdue Gene Cady disciple you know so they're, they're gonna play big physical you know and they have been better at home than they've been on the road so I mean yeah. you're talking about playing them back to back you're going to know the scouting report well. It's a rare scenario where that happens. Uh, I think it's the fairest way they could have worked it out, to be honest with you, for, for both teams that they play Friday, Sunday, and they play each other. It helps both from preparation and all that. Yeah. But, yeah, it won't be easy to go out there and, and win a game for sure. I'm with you on LSU. I don't know what to think. I know they are supremely talented. I know that they have been more committed probably to playing defense than they've been at any time since Will Wade has been there. But I was kind of shocked by that result uh, in Oxford the other night, too. And, and you know, you got to give Ole Miss a little bit of credit, too. Those guys fight, and they defend their home floor, and that's a big win yeah. for them at this stage of the year. Well, it was in, in Baton Rouge last night. I'm sorry, yeah. And and here's the thing. Okay, so LSU is ranked. They're now four and five in the SEC. They've lost three in a row. And, you know, the other thing, too, is so the game wound up a four-point game. Because LSU comes roaring back in the second half. But I had flipped over there early last night. And the game tipped off at 8 at the same time the Alabama-Auburn game did. And I flipped over there early. And Ole Miss was up by like 23 points or something in the early first half. Yeah. 
And then uh, LSU apparently cut it to 13 at halftime and then outscored in the second half, got it back to a four-point game. But you just – you know, you don't know what you're going to get from LSU. No, right I, I'm just telling you, with regard to the conference, you've got Auburn that has separated itself now by two games, I think, over Kentucky at this point and has a head-to-head with them. Yeah. And I don't think they play again this year. And then you've got UK – in, in the two spot, and then some combination of Arkansas, Tennessee, states right there in that mix with both of those teams left to play. Uh, everybody's kind of bunched up in there, and you look at the records and you go, man, two games over 500. You've got three, co- three conference losses already, or some teams got four already or five. I'm going to tell you something. We're just at the halfway point. This thing's a long way from being over. Now, is anybody going to catch Auburn? It's going to be tough to do with that two-game lead, and they're really good. But, I mean, it wouldn't shock me. Kentucky's still got to go back and play Tennessee in Knoxville. And even though they whipped them big in Lexington, that's been a tough place for them to win, even with John Calipari. I wouldn't be shocked if they don't lose one, maybe two more, as good as they've played. And everybody else is still going to be staring, you know, maybe, you know, two or three losses. So, I mean, for a team to come in here at the end of the year, five losses in the league, six, and still be in a position to get a double bye, I don't think that's unrealistic at all right now. There's that much parity. Yeah. Neil Price on your radio right now. Um, At the hump, are are y'all back on the floor calling the game? Yes. So you're down there. Last night, I'm I'm watching it on TV. Had And at several points, you know, State's up 23 at halftime. And at several points, you think, man, can you imagine being a South Carolina fan having to watch this, right? You know, your team go through this. And at one point, they're down big. One of his – it's right in front of the South Carolina bench. You can see, you know, Frank – Martin. Uh, Martin standing there, you know, uh, uh, on the sideline, big guy. He's just watching the game with his arms folded. They've just gotten it across half court. They're down big, and one of his guys fires up an NBA range three. (laughs) (laughs) Bricks it off the back of the iron, and here it comes the other way. And I can see it on TV because of the camera angle. He did all he did. He didn't move his feet, anything. All he did was just immediately put his head down. I remember exactly what you're talking about. And he just covered his eyes and put his head down like this and didn't even watch the ball go to the other end. As the camera panned, he all you see is him just (laughs) like it was one of those nights. And you think, you know, some nights. You're the windshield, and some nights you're the bug. Yeah, it's just the way it is. And listen now, it's a you know I look at people. People are prone to look at standings, and they'll say, "Well, South Carolina, you know, it's a game state should have won." Well, that might be true with regard to standings, net, all that stuff. But listen, they had won three straight games coming in here last night, and were playing some of their best basketball, and they had had big rallies in the second half of each of those three games. That are all three of those games they won. To, to find a way to get it done. One of them on the road against an A&M team that started 4-0 in the conference, mm-hmm. you know. So just to try and discount what State did last night and say, oh, they could have done so much better, they could have played more consistently across mm-hmm. two halves, no question. But it shouldn't take away the fact that they won the game and they got a win that they needed in a big way. They just had the energy. State got all loose balls. Yeah. Um, State was a step quicker on defense. Everything Garrison Brooks fired up early went in. And oh, went, he was good early now. And, 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 and you know, got away from him a little bit in the second half because yeah. they just weren't giving him the ball. But yeah. when they gave him the ball, now he was good. Yeah. He was really good. You know, and, Neil, that was one thing, too, watching it, that I, I really enjoyed seeing 
it was like uh, as a team, the mentality early on to know Garrison's hot, we yeah. didn't get him the ball. And they'd come down and get it right back to him and get it. It, it wasn't we're playing basketball, let's get the open shot. No, it's we got a hot guy. Yeah. Let's get him the ball. Well, and I think some of that comes from, too, you know, and give Texas Tech a lot of credit this past Saturday for the way they defended and the way they played. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, that Tech really took away the post-scoring production. I mean, State threw the ball into the post, and they were trying to go inside out, trying to collapse that defense. And it just, you know, it didn't happen the way they wanted it to. Yeah. And then they said, okay, we're going to go inside, and we're going to get these guys going early. And, and Garrison's got to be that guy with Tolu out right now. He's your most consistent scoring threat on that front line. So, you know, to see him come out, I think he hit five of his first six shots. Yeah. And I think he took six of the first seven shots in the game for State last night. So, I mean, that you couldn't ask for him better than that. And and good for a good guy. I mean, to be around him, talk to he's a good dude. He really is. Wants to do well. And, and last three home games, man, he has been fantastic. Yeah, he's really picked it up for sure. Well, it's good to see. And now Tennessee. Yeah. The Vols yeah. coming in here. And, you know, they uh, play with great energy and are going to be good and mad. Uh, I guess, well, they actually play tonight, don't they? They play. Uh, no, they, play no, they played last night. last night and beat A&M by 10. They scored 90 last night. It's the best offensive game Tennessee's had. And that was coming off a loss yeah, to Texas. Coming off a loss to Texas where they didn't get into the 60s. You know, made a late rally and lost by one, I think, 52, 51, 55, 56, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, but to come back and score 90 on A&M, you know, that was a big deal for them. And I don't remember where they're at on Saturday before State gets them on Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. That'll be – they go to South Carolina. Go to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, they'll see the same team State just saw. And I mean, listen, who knows? I mean, that's that's a physical team, and South Carolina is good at home, you know, so and maybe they'll know, rough them up a little bit. Well, you know good and well <laughs> Frank Martin's going to be he'll, – he'll have them good and mad and ready for tip-off for that ball game. Yeah. You know that. Neil, good to talk basketball with you. Yeah, good to see you. It's good to hear your voice after I listened to it for about two and a half hours last night. It's good to hear it again. Hey, we appreciate it. Checks yeah. in the mail. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. For Bill, I'm Matt, and everybody here on the show and all of our guests today, appreciate you all listening in. That'll wrap it up for today. And check Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. We'll get some video clips out for you later. We'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place, in the Farm Bureau studio. See you then.